0: Welcome back to Keepers of the Word. You're here with Mike and James. We've put together another great show for you today with the author of Consorting with Spirits, Jason Miller. But before we get into it, uh, James.
1: Make sure to follow all of our social media outlets, Twitch being our favorite. Hit the subscribe button and turn on the notifications to stay up to date with our new content. The views and topics of Keepers of the Word are solely our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any Masonic Lodge, and specifically not Grand Lodge.
0: Jason Miller, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. Happy to We're, be here.
0: Very happy to We're have you. happy to you. have you. We all read that great book, Consorting with Spirits. There was so much information in that book that I, I didn't know. And I think um, when we covered it last, we had... Well I, I know I have a bunch of questions for you, starting with how did you get started on your path
2: oh well um you know i I had a a strange experience when I was young um I was on a playground you know not not one of these foofy playgrounds today. I mean a properly dangerous 1970s <laughs> playground with concrete and metal and sand and I might have hit my head or something. I don't really know. I don't remember. (laughs) But I remember looking up. And when I looked up, it was like all reality was still down there. It was like I looked up from three dimensions into something else. And then that triggered just sort of a string of experiences where, where it would feel like the world would freeze. And... I could sense spirits and, and hear discussions, and then it just kind of went away. But it always stuck with me. It stuck with me as, like, more real than than anything else. And so when I got old enough, I, I started looking at books on the occult and tarot cards and magic. And then, you know, even though I just lived in central New Jersey, um, really, like, pretty much south jersey so it's not a not a hugely populous area i lived in a hick town um i I say that affectionately uh i still just managed to make all these connections right so uh, a teacher at the high school mrs krubner she asked if I you know she saw me reading a book on tarot cards asked if I read tarot cards I said no I don't even know where you would get tarot cards cuz you know I was 15 and uh next thing I knew she has a deck of tarot cards for me and and uh some after school you know this is how you psychically shield yourself uh, after that, started heading off to a, a neighboring town called Lakewood, where uh, I made friends with a guy named Walter, who owned a conjure shop. So, got to learn how to use some of the the powders and oils and and so on that are that are typical in hoodoo and root work. And uh, then it turned out that uh, because I at when I got a little older, I was working for the, the school like after care program, and one of the kids that I would really babysit, uh, his mom owned a botanica, so Botanica Legua in Lakewood. Got to know her. Uh, and then the biggest connection came with uh, meeting John Mearden Reynolds uh, I would, just after high school now. So I was hanging out at this shop called the Equinox Books and Curios, which was close to the beach. So I would go uh, kind of surfing down at the beach and then walk over to Equinox Books and Curios to see Sue. And um, John was hanging out there. He was—he is the first Westerner to be <coughs> ordained as a nakba, sort of a tantric sorcerer. And he was in New Jersey because that's where he grew up and his parents were, um, his parents had died. So he was settling their estate and he was hanging out and he made a lot of connections for me to the OTO and and uh, then explained the basics of Tibetan Buddhism. And a few years later, uh, after a stint in the OTO, I decided to go to Nepal and study Tantra and, you know. It's just one thing after another, just following a thread, really. As as the world of the occult opened up, but it all just started with some weird experiences and a and a, and a mind that couldn't let them go for whatever reason.
1: It's a pretty big jump going from from here to Nepal, you know. Like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna move to Nepal, and that's a that's a pretty big jump. It's a big that big a uh, culture hole. shock too, you know. Whole other lives. I mean, so well, I would love you know, to go. I would go in a heartbeat.
2: And you know, I mean, you, and that's the thing. You can. Um, it seems, you know, it can. It seems like really wild, but then you get there, and like there's there's Westerners everywhere. Um, so there's you know there's no. It's it's not like it was when John went over in the in the fifties. It's it was definitely. Uh, I, w- I was definitely not the only ingy. Uh, in town, for sure. But I was really lucky that, that John made a lot of connections and for me uh, and got me into a lot of rooms that I otherwise wouldn't get into. And and uh, I also have to thank my friend Barche Dorje, for, uh, who teaches in Norway. Uh, we just met drinking one night um, shortly after I arrived. And you know, John wasn't even in country yet. And I was just... I, I was sitting in the double Dorje diner drinking Tongba. And he was like, you gotta come out with me and meet, you know, this crazy Nakba Kunzang Dorje. And so I went out. I left Kathmandu, went out to Parping and lived there with Nakba Kunzang Dorje for a month. Because the next morning... Kunzang Dorje comes in and, and, you know, his translator says, well, we're beginning Vajra Kalaya ritual this morning. You're here, so you must be meant to be here. Here's your robes. Here's your, here's <laughs> your you know, the empowerment. And uh, you already have the Vajra Kalaya empowerment, which I did. Um, so let's get to it. So, you know... Like I just went out there on a dare, basically, and the next thing I know, I'm in a three day long ritual exorcism of the Kathmandu Valley, and uh, it was pretty, you know. And then I lived with him for a for a month. Um. So yeah, you you got to follow the thread really where it goes. Right.
0: right. So, so going back going back to your childhood, what do you what would you say was your favorite memory with with your first teacher, with the first person that. So you kind of put you on the path.
2: Oh, well, you know, man, the the my favorite memory. Um, you know, I, I think it was probably going over books that I was reading. Um, with with I should call her you know Blanche now, but in my head she's always Mrs. Krubner. Uh, but but just getting ad, advice, uh, because you know, she hadn't necessarily seen all the books that I was reading because they, you know, like Modern Magic had just come out in the 80s, uh, so she's a generation before me, but she's looking through these and kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, this is good, but just. You know, remember to stay sane and protect yourself. And uh, you know, go off, have adventures. No will dare. Don't forget to dare, but don't don't go crazy either.
0: Did your parents and,
2: know?
0: Uh, what's that? You we're going down this path. Did your parents you know? know? The
2: my parents
0: did know.
2: Yeah. Uh, my my parents knew pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, and and it took them maybe a year or two to realize this isn't going anywhere, right? Uh, So, at first, it was a little weird, because when I, like, they, (laughs) it's so weird that Stranger Things, the new season, touches on the satanic panic of the 80s, so... You know, I remember being in seventh and eighth grade playing Dungeons and Dragons and people are being like, you know, oh, it's Satanism and and Geraldo Rivera and all this kind of stuff. And then when I actually started to bring home books on witchcraft and mastering witchcraft, where, you know, you're literally like in the beginning of the book, he writes the Lord's Prayer out backwards phonetically. Um, But the panic had passed for the most part. It was already, like, old news for us. So, you know, my mom was a little wary, but then when it was something that clearly I wasn't going to let go of, they were supportive, if not indulgent, you know. So I, you know, I, I would get the Golden Dawn doorstop edition for my 18th birthday and, you know, stuff like that, so... I was always a weird kid, though, you know, like, before all the occult stuff, uh, my parents weren't very religious, but I would ask them to take me to church, like, they would drop me off at church, and then go to breakfast, and, you know, I'd hang out at the church all day, so.
1: That's it's kind of like my dad with the Jehovah's Witnesses, anytime they came around, yeah. he was like, oh, I don't want to talk to you, but give me one second, oh, my son would like <laughs> to talk to you, and. And yeah. Then, uh, then they yeah. wouldn't come back. But uh, that's why he liked to send me out there to him. Good times.
2: And then, like, by the time I had graduated high school, I had a stone circle in the backyard. You know, so, like, I could be like, look, I want this corner of the yard, and and we're <laughs> going to go to a rock quarry, and we're going to get quarter stones that are about four feet high, and then bigger stones to make a stone circle. And my mom is like, "Well, how about gargoyles for the northeast? You can walk in and out, and you have something." And I'm like, "Cool, yeah, awesome." So, um, you know, in the end, it all—they were cool because they were mostly, you know, they were not very religious or spiritual, and
1: that's awesome. That's that's cool. You had a support system, you know. I think that's what more people need, you know, at least for individuals attempting to venture. Into the occult world, you know, you, you need a support basis, and it's kind of hard to do that yeah. when your family, especially if you're young, you know, a child or teenager, trying to do something.
2: Yeah, I th- there are definitely people who face uphill battles. I had some other uh, battles with my parents, but never around, uh, never around the occult.
3: So how long? How long were you were you practicing? Um, where you started to? Think you know what? Maybe I'm gonna start teaching people or or write something.
2: Oh goodness! Uh, So you know, I started. uh, You know, I started reading tarot and 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 taking up magic at about 15, and I think I wrote my first article for a magazine that I helped start called Behutet in Philadelphia at maybe, I was 24, 25. Um, And just, you know, just a few articles. And I would teach a couple classes at the local occult stores or or to the OTO group in town. Uh, But nothing that was like, yeah, I'm going to do this as a career. It was just sort of, you know, things that people were doing. The first course I ever designed was a meditation course, like as it was a six-class thing, and I was trying to do it as a free thing, right? So first with with the OTO, and then just open to anybody. And what happened is people would come in, and people would leave, and it was we could never do the the course because it was always just people wandering in and wandering out. And then uh, a woman named Ann Duckworth, an Alexandrian witch, who owned a shop called The Hand of Aries in Philadelphia. She came to one of my classes and she said, listen, give this course at my shop and we'll charge for it, you know, like money. And, and, uh, you know, we'll split it and it'll go well. So... I come in, and lo and behold, nine people, ten people, you know, but the same ten people for six weeks following, okay, this is the first class, then this is the second class, and you can't really grasp what's in the second or third class unless you've done that first one. Nobody's in or out. It was more people, more attention, more focus, and it was all done through the power of money, really, through the through the through attributing value and saying this is worth something. So, you know, this is what it costs. Yeah. Um, and that was a lesson. So, you know, thanks, Anne, wherever <laughs> you are. I saw her last time. I saw her was a few years ago, but um. You know, that, that was one of the first times I started teaching, but I didn't really think of myself as like, yeah, I'm going to be a magic teacher. Until... Probably my first... Like, after my first book was written, really. Like, like... Um, I, I wrote my first book because New Page asked me if I wanted to write a book. So I was like, sure, because I, I tore apart one of their authors in a Witch box article. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and they were like, yeah, you really, you know, you really stuck it to Carl there. You want a book? <laughs> and I was like, sure. We need you to know, replace so Carl. Wrote,
1: <laughs> what What's that? I said they needed to replace Carl at that point.
2: Well well you know and, it, it, and the thing is Carl went on to become uh, a Catholic. Oh wow and is one of the best writers on Catholic mysticism that I've ever read. So he found his role he found his niche. It wasn't witchcraft or paganism. it was you know contemplative Catholicism. So you know uh, he he his writings on spells and magic were twaddle. Uh, or dismissing it really because he didn't really even acknowledge it. Uh, but his writing on contemplative traditions is super solid. So you know nothing against Carl uh, McCollman at all. What just, would just you Just to see? clarify, I highest respect for for <laughs> his his field uh, and where he is in it. But you know, it was after um, after my first book that. I started to think like, okay, I, I I now have an approach that I think no one else is taking and something I want to say that no one else is saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go and say it in a structured way and I'm going to attach value to it and make it a business. And that's what I'm going to do as a career. Uh, so... It definitely wasn't, you know, and by that time, it was mid-30s. So, you know, mid-teens to start practicing, mid-20s to start writing and giving a class here and there to, to peers, really. And then mid-30s to, to be like, yeah, I'm going to teach. And now I'm pushing 50. So
0: so what would you say your biggest pet peeve when it is when it comes to witchcraft? IG witches? No! (laughs)
2: TikTok? I I don't really have a pet peeve when it comes to witches or or witchcraft. I mean, of course, there there are silly things out there, um, but for the most part, I feel compassion for for these kids. Um, In so many ways, they're dealing with a much more difficult learning environment than i had um there's more information to be sure like like more information and better information like you can cut through stuff that we took as gospel that you know turns out not really to be good factual history and and better translations of things but The age of information has turned into the age of misinformation. So to find that signal amidst the noise is really difficult. Whereas we had to make signal out of anything, because there was hardly any noise or signal. So if we got our hands on a book, even if it wasn't the greatest book in the world, if it was Mastering White Witchcraft by Al Manning, right... Well, that might be the only book that you can get right now. So you better work it. And you know what? It's workable. Um it's not a book that I would be like you got to have this book. But it's absolutely a workable book. Um so the other thing is the these kids are, you know, they're they're under a lens. Everything that they do is on display for everyone. They can't he can't say anything or make a mistake or or show ignorance without someone jumping down their throat. It's not a good learning environment. Um, so it's really the price of all of having the the world of the occult at their fingertips comes with a high price tag. I have a lot of compassion for them. Um You know, and there's, you know, so I shouldn't say there's no pet peeves. Like, the pet peeves I have are that people run to the extremes for everything. You know, it's either you think that you should just be able to do anything anywhere at any time with anything, because whatever, nothing means anything other than what I want it to, or... You're on the other extreme where everything must be done according to this. And, you know, if you are not exactly from that culture, then you must not touch it or obey or or look at it even. Um, None of which is accurate from people actually in that culture. But it's... (laughs) but it all boils down to things that I look at and I shake my head at. And it's it's not so much like, oh, those kids are ruining everything. It really is like, oh, man, what a hard time for somebody that really wants to just learn and, and not, you know, and, and the pressure to do this all on display, to do this while having an audience and followers and. Nonsense like that. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody waits until they're 35 to start teaching. Kids are like 22, and they're like, how do I put together my brand and cohesive teaching? And I'm like, you don't. Like, (laughs) like, take the medicine before you even think about being a doctor. Like... (laughs) It's, it's, um, so there are things I don't like, but it's not, I don't know, I guess I, I also, I get tired, there are things I don't like and things that I think are toxic, but I also think that, you know, people my generation looking down at them and being like, you know, stupid kids, more like, you know, wow, those kids are really, like, having their attention spans stolen from them purposefully and they're getting conned. So I feel, I feel more compassion than anything else.
1: It's almost like the information is flooded, you know, it's, it's flooded with stuff that, and you have to fact check and try to figure out what's more legit than something else. And, you know, you almost need a background in anything you're going to read today
2: but you know I mean if that's what you meant by witchcraft but if you just meant like witchcraft in general no beef I'm I, I consider myself as much of a witch as a magician um, and you know I've been involved with covens and things in the past and yeah no 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 qualms there I know a good deal of uh, Witches who could whip together some folk magic and knock uh, a lot of ceremonial magicians yeah. whipping out goetic demons, just knock them clean on their asses. So, you know. <laughs>
0: what what um, advice would you give your younger self right now?
2: Oh, goodness. Um... You know, I, I would say depends on the age. Uh, like, if I could go back and talk to my 25-year-old self, I would say um, money and, and material things are going to mean a lot more to you than they do in the halcyon bohemia of, you know, being a 20-something Gen X slacker in the 90s. and uh you know if you put just a little bit of money away compound interest will do some amazing things um so that would be one thing um but you know in the end it would just be like look um take this all fairly seriously and be respectful of people and Don't think that anyone owes you anything. I mean, there were times where I've like walked into rooms and there are times where I've walked out of rooms because it's been like, oh, that teacher didn't, you know, give me what I wanted. Like, well, did I earn it? Did I do anything at all to make that teacher really notice me or or say, yes, I should, you know, recognize you? Uh, as, as somebody that I should give teachings, you know, that are that are secret and important to? Probably not. Other teachers that I did, well, then I got. So, uh, the typical advice that you, an older person, would give to a younger person, knock off the hubris. You don't know as much as you think you know. <laughs> and the other thing would be the head-heart-hand thing that I'm always going on about. Like, Magic and witchcraft are really good at answering questions of truth at, at establishing truth as far as meaning and truth as far as usefulness but they really 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 suck at truth of fact like this is how the universe runs uh, this this is how many angels can dance on the head of pin. Uh, These are the questions that magic, philosophy, and religion just really are awful at. Uh, And we want to make it good at. We want the kind of certainty that religion, philosophy, and magic claims to give. Well, I know this is how it is. Why? Because Metatron told me it was. You know? (laughs) Um, But, you know, for... For truth of facts, I, I prefer science or a simple, I don't know, embrace the idea that you don't know everything and that you can't know everything and uh, operate from that perspective. Yes, that would be a big piece of advice to a younger self.
1: What about uh, advice for somebody who is just starting out? What would you give advice to somebody just starting out who doesn't know much of anything, but for some reason has this profound vision or idea that they want to get into this? What would you recommend for, the, for them to start?
2: Well, you know, the first thing I would do is I'd pull them aside and try to talk them out.
1: Of it. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I hear this a lot.
2: Um, <laughs> enormous expense, enormous time suck, yeah. not the fastest way to getting laid or paid. Uh, can definitely help <laughs> with both, but but if those are like your main concerns in life, then not the yeah, fastest no. route or most direct route to either one of those. But if they had that magic-shaped hole in their heart where mm. it's like, no, I'm I'm driven to this. I would say, before you even pick up a book, close your eyes. What is driving you to this? What really... Like, what does this look like in your head five years from now? Just using your imagination. And then let that guide you in what you decide to read, right? Like, if if in your head a wizard is putting together charts and figures and maps of the occult and weaving complex ceremonies, then, you know, shoving folk magic or, or, or root work at the person isn't going to satisfy them. At the same time, if walking through the woods, gathering plants and talking to the local spirits is what is in their head, then, you know, shoving Aleister Crowley at them or or grimoires under their nose isn't going to satisfy them either. So, like, figure out your angle and then read a couple books... And then do something from those books, and let your actions guide your further studies. Um,
1: That was well put. Don't
2: don't read everything, because you can't read everything now. There's people like me are cranking out too many damn books for you to read them all. Speaking of books,
1: here, sir. Speaking of books, consorting with spirits. Um. I'm going to say I've I've read your other books and uh this one kind of came out swinging. I was going to say um it was a little little heavy hitting. I mean, you jumped right into it and then the way that you I mean, you talk about heavy hitting subjects, but the way that you describe them and discuss them is in a way that is easily digestible. So I mean, I wasn't ready for As much as you put in that book, I was like, wow, whoa. Okay, I'm going to put the book down. Oh, wait, what's the next chapter? Damn it. And I would read the next chapter. Um, And then something else I'm going to say. You spoke about the sigil of Lucifer, and um, you pointed out that it's the Asian symbol. And right. I thought that was cool because nobody ever talks about that. You know, everybody's worshiping Baphomet as as Satan or Lucifer, and everybody's getting jumbled with symbols and stuff like that. And here you are pointing out this is it is what it is. You know, it's pretty simple to see that. Well,
2: right. So you know, take take that symbol. Um, so it's from the Grimoire Verum, and it is the symbol of Lucifer in Asia. Right. Right. So if you were in Asia working the system, that's what you would want to use. But we also have to look around at the reality. So people who hold history as their measure of authenticity will walk around tisking everyone and going, don't they even know that this is the symbol of Lucifer in Asia? The stupid idiots! Can't they read the Grimoire Venom? Don't they know the history and oh, 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 right? <laughs> but that's not the only measure of authenticity, right? So, in in fact, it's for me the historical authenticity is one of. It's not that it's unimportant. But it's one of the less important Measures of authenticity For me um, Because nothing else Do we measure this way Like, I if I'm sick I don't be like Where is the oldest doctor Using the most outdated methods Because that's the guy I want Working on my, you know Tumor um, So It's, you know if, for me, it's a functional authenticity that's probably the most important, with all the cultural authenticity and, and authenticity of meaning kind of tied for second. And then history coming up uh, as, as a factor. But So we have to look at functional authenticity. Why did this sigil take off? Well, it, for one thing, it's fundamentally different. Like, cr- cr- open up the Grimoire vera. You've got three seals. uh, Four, really. You've got two seals of, of Lucifer. You've got a seal of Astaroth and a seal of Beelzebub. And doesn't this seal look fundamentally different? Like, one of these things is not like the others. One of these things is a strong geometrical shape that just screams, Make me a logo! Like, whereas the other ones are like, scribble. That's cool. So you've got this idea where okay, well, why? Is this so here's the possibilities. Is this actually the hidden hand of Lucifer at work saying I am hiding this key amidst other hidden keys. This is something that that came once in in a working with Lucifer that my hidden my hidden keys are hidden amongst other hidden keys. So is this key hidden in this grimoire as, like, and this is special. Like, this isn't just part of the grimoire. This is something more. Like, on this one page. Um, maybe. Maybe it's... It was just something that the person who wrote the grimoire or designed the seals uh, designed and that the spirit liked. It was like, I'm gonna go with that one, right? The powers of Lucifer that that are like, yeah, this is this this one is awesome. Like, we can do something with this. This'll catch on. This is snappy, right? It's kind of like uh, if you if you hire Wiser does my covers, but if I was to hire like one of those companies, it's like you know, get a book cover and they'll submit five different designs and you gotta pick one. It's, you could almost see like Lucifer looking at the grim marbarum like oh this one is bitching let's 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 go <laughs> like if we're gonna do a left-hand path thing in the 20th century this is the one that's gonna catch on like wildfire send Good that practice. one to press mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right send word. that one to press or it could just be that humans designed it humans liked it and the spirits you know like that's they the one tend we're going to with. <laughs> Right. You know, it's kind of like if you if you if you're in a room with somebody and you don't speak the same language, you can make them know that you want their attention and then you do whatever you can do to make them understand. Well, a lot of spirit contact starts out that way. So, you know, Lucifer is like, all right, you guys want to run with this? I'll run with this. Or maybe none of the above. Maybe it's you know, it's just humans ran with it and then it became big. But it doesn't make it wrong. You know what I mean? So from the functional authenticity point, it's much more functional as a spreading of an idea, which I think we can just prove by, you know, seeing how many of them are for sale. Um, And, you know, that's something.
0: You know, there was a a part or a chapter in your book where you, you talk about getting to know the local spirits what would you say would be the best practice for getting to know the local spirits around you?
2: So the, the best practice for getting to know the local spirits, um, is first of all, work on some spirit skills, including just the ability to sit and be silent and not occupy the mind constantly. Uh, this is something that really like has been progressively deteriorating over the last few generations, and then in 2007 we basically took it and shot it in the head uh, with with a with an iPhone, and we killed idle time entirely. We just took it out and and buried it. So you've got to recapture the ability to sit and listen and make connections. Uh, and this is whether you're a magician or not. If you if you read six books in a row and you don't take any time before going on to the 7th, you're missing out because your brain needs time and space to make the connections between those books. Uh, but in a spiritual way, in, in, in the sense of spirits, it's, it's really important. Um, and then there are other exercises, but I would move on to offerings. Like, learn to listen, learn to shut up, learn to listen, and then make offerings every day. Uh, I give a, a, a spirit feast in the book, right? So wherever you live, set out some offerings, get to know the locals. Then after that, do a little research on your area and start taking field trips, right? Where is interesting where you are? This is an area where the occult and the paranormal can overlap a little bit. Um, you know, pro tip, every state has a devil's something. Yeah. Probably, like, a dozen of them. It's the Devil's Pool, the Devil's Bridge, the Devil's Cliff, the Devil's,
1: you know... Devil's Bowl you know, and the Devil's, devil's Gate.
2: Strong, whatever, you know, whatever it is. The, the Devil's got a thing, like, everywhere. So, chances are there's a good, you know, folklore associated with that. Not necessarily Luciferian in any sense, but um, there's some good folklore in terms of spirits and fairy and, and and all that so that would be my top advice like learn to listen learn to to look listen receive lay out offerings at the place where you live and work and then get out into the areas where spirits might be otherwise make some friends it's kind of like it is with people. <laughs> Just, you know, if you move into an area, it can be really nice to host a party and invite, you know, invite the people in your neighborhood over, get to know them, have a nice block party in the in the summer, or barbecue, and then when you hear about notable people, or people you want to meet, or just people at the local places where you might want to make connections, then you go out and you, you learn the name of the woman at the post office, and the the owner of the coffee shop and so on. Yeah. Awesome.
3: Yeah. I just recently, I, in my...
2: small town, so I can do all those things reasonably. <laughs>
3: yeah. I, I just recently myself, after reading the book, uh, made an attempt to kind of reach out to the locals. So I went over to the, the cemetery I go to. And, um, after leaving, you know, for, this was for a couple days or so, like a day after a supper. So I was, you know, leaving my offering there and stuff like that because of that, But I decided again after reading the book. I was like, you know, maybe I should I should try this, and you know. So I just kind of sat there for a little while and just kind of sat silent. And I even you know said some words, kind of just you know letting them know like I'm opening myself up. And then I even um was just like you know the powerful spirit of the of the of the area. You can introduce yourself to me if you feel you know feel you know it's necessary to do so. Um, After I did that again, I sat there you know a little for for a few minutes quietly, and then all of a sudden the wind starts blowing, and um, there's kittens that live in the cemetery, you know, they're running around. The wind starts yeah. blowing, and the kittens come running out of their bush where they live, and they run to this particular uh, uh, grave, like a headstone, and they just start playing around it. And I'm kind of like, hmm. So then I just asked, I was like, should I go over there? And then once I said that, a bird flew and landed in front of me, and it just was kind of staring at me, and then it like flew directly towards that that thing you know and so i'm just like start you know evaluating it you know is this really happening or is it just coincidences and stuff like that you know but and then i you know you start getting your you know your hair stands you get your goosebumps and stuff like that but so that it was a, a pretty interesting you know uh situation i started to walk over to the headstone to check it out but then there was a weird drug addict guy kind of showed up so i ended up leaving <laughs> <there>.
1: <laughs> los angeles for you yeah yeah
3: right <laughs>
2: yeah, well, you know, head back, head back. The, those kittens probably would have gotten me over there. Yeah. Um. So, you know, the the kittens are like, hey, over here. And then the bird is like, dude, I sent kittens. What, you know, like. Yeah,
3: yeah that's, that's kind of. I'm
2: out of animals here. Yeah, <laughs> the kittens. And
3: that's a, kind of exactly what I was feeling, too, from it. And, and so, like I said, I started to walk over there. But then this, like, weird guy walks up to me. He shows up out of, like, literally out of nowhere. I didn't even see or hear him you know he rode up on a bike and i didn't hear like one leaf he was just there all of a sudden he's asking for cigarettes i'm like i'm, I'm not smoking oh well so you know what so that's, <laughs> what it that's, spirit, that, that's eh? actually funny that you say that right so after i was talking with with a, a mutual friend and then she brought that up and she's like what if she's like did you leave any particular offering i was like i i did but not for that because i was there for like i said i was there for another thing but you know, typically you want to leave like some tobacco or something. From what I've always mm-hmm. learned from when dealing with locals, you'll leave like some liquor or like some tobacco. So yeah, Sweet. they brought that. I was like, what if that was something like, hey, you forgot your cigarette, you know, like, mm-hmm. or you forgot the tobacco? of so, tobacco. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of I did think about that after the fact. Well, like,
1: you, oh, Odin used to show up like that, and yeah, as a beggar or somebody, uh, somebody an unwanted person. To see yep. if you would help him or let him in, because that was the custom you were supposed to. Because if you were a, a wayman or somebody who was traveling, um, that may be the only person you're seeing for the next couple of days, and you, you just ran out of food, so you got to help him. So that,
2: that has happened at a few different teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I remember one of the last times I, I lectured at Thalesis in Philadelphia. Um, you know, the, this guy came in. I didn't recognize him, but I hadn't been around for a while, and he came in, sat down, and it was like at a corporate boardroom. No, it was at the Ethical Society uh, that I was giving the talk. But it was clear that he was just like a homeless dude who kind of saw the group and uh, started telling this story about how he had to get a train home and all, you know, and it was like, hey, you, you know, do you need some money? Like, OK, sure. And and then off he goes. It was actually it was. And, you know, it wasn't me who picked up on it at first, even. It was my friend Howard. So I, you know, but I was like, oh, as soon as he said it, I was like, duh, you know, like, of course it's 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 very it's a it's a very common thing to have like that person pop out of the woodwork and ask for an offering Um, so yeah, it sounds like an intense experience. I would go back and check that grave out.
3: Yeah. I'm definitely definitely going to do that.
1: Carry some (laughs) smoke. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So we love your, we we love your stuff. We love your books. Uh, both me and Brian practice. We follow you. We think it's great.
3: Right Uh, on. It's, it's, we're, we're alumni. I guess you can, we're alumni now. (laughs) Yes. Um,
1: I'm going to say, I don't know about Brian, but, you know, I've been a practitioner, I think it's what I'm at, 41, like 30 years now, like what you said, started young, you know, and nice. I've went and I've found, you know, foundations and of magic teaching and stuff like that and practice and got nothing, you know, and, and practice another one and... Maybe got something. It was like, was that me? Was that a coincidence? And try to duplicate that, you know, going through the processes and stuff. And did the Alistair Crowley, you know, and dabbled with some OTO, Golden Dawn, a bunch of cool stuff, you know. And some stuff worked better than others. Um, I, I have to say, you know, when I first heard about you, um, I was taking a traditional witchcraft class. And uh, it was afterwards from another alumni, from, from, from you, um, said, hey, you should check him out having this conversation about uh, two ball cane fire and blacksmithing. Um, he brought you up. He goes, well, this is what I practice. You know, if you like traditional witchcraft and stuff, you should check him out. So um, I got a book, one of your books, and was reading it. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. I kind of like it. It's all familiar. It's all familiar and stuff. Um, but the first time that we actually uh, got together and practiced, um, it was an experience, and I'm like, "Wow, man, that's like out of the shoot, like real quick." And 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 I'm I'm kind of experienced in this to where it's like, okay, it was probably me. Maybe I was excited. I don't know. You know, like why was it so forward? And then the next time it happened again, and it kept happening. I'm like, "Wow, man, this is like just right out, right out the gate." It works, at least in, in my experience. I haven't had something that happens so fast and but consistent so what's your secret i mean like i know your story you know i mean i can't tell you how many things i've gone through and i still plow through even if nothing's happening because that's what practice is right you gotta keep going right? keep yeah. going keep going but uh with you it was like right in the beginning and i'm like that's really odd you know, like. Is it? It has to be me or something. But I wasn't like trying to make anything happen, you know. Um, why is your practice so much different than others? Oh, I, I know that's very vague in general, but like no,
2: no, no. And we're and and we're talking. You're talking specifically about the sorcery of Hecate practice.
3: Yes. Yes.
2: yes. Yeah. So. You know, um, it. So, first of all, let me let me say that that experience, while while common, is not universal. I, I, I have had my detractors, and I've had people take sure. the course and kind of bill. You know, just like I didn't get this thing that so many people are talking about, and and the thing is like. I've seen those folks like get shut down in other venues. So I'm like, you know, let let's let's talk about this, you know? So we run through the list, you know, like are you doing the regular work? Cuz that's a key element of it, right? Like are you doing the regular work? And if they say they are, I believe them, you know? Like I I so um are, are you, you know, you're keeping up with offerings, you're doing more than the minimum, right? You're doing more than just staying in the game. Because there are occasionally the people that are like, well, I took the course and nothing amazing happened. Or I did this, and, and I'm sure this is for every course out there. Uh, and then when the teacher is like, well, what did you do precisely? And they're like, well, I took the course. Like, did, did, you, did you use it? well, I took it, you know, and it's like, yeah, okay, so obviously it's, it's you didn't actually do any of it, so I don't feel too bad, but you know, some people do, and it's just not the right fit for them, and uh, you know, that's the, you know, I, I say, look, you know, uh, you have to decide like how much effort you want to put in, and, and whether you want to keep going or not, uh, but Thankfully, most people do get uh, the kind of experience that you're talking about, where it's it's a consistent result over time. And it comes from consistent practice. And what I tend to think of as um, a short lineage or a short telephone game. So there's this idea out there of short lineage versus long lineage. And and this even plays out within tradition. So, for instance, in Tibet, the Gelugpa school, they like a long lineage. They want to know that what they're practicing goes back to India, specifically. Like, it, it shouldn't originate... It can pass through Tibetan hands, but it should originate in Indian hands. Like, it should be... Um, whereas the Nyingma and they're into Kama, uh, the, the fresh revelations from the, the, the founder, either ones that were hidden away physically or ones that are mind terma. So, not Kama, terma. Kama is the old teachings that Padmasambhavatal was alive. Um, and the advantage of terma. The the critics can say, well, that's just something some modern llama pulled out of his butt, right? But if you believe in it, the advantage is a short lineage, right? Telephone game. If there's 150 people in a telephone game and I say, and it goes around, what comes back to me at the end of the telephone game is nothing at all like what I said. But if there's only two or three people, it's a clear signal. So the Sorcery of Hecate course, uh, Hecate is is resonant with history, right? Like, I want to make sure that the research and revelation rhyme. Like, if I get something through vision or revelation and it's like, oh, yes, well, Hecate is secretly... The sex goddess of love and passion, and then I would be like, "Yeah, I don't think so. Like something, something's wrong here. Something bad connection, or you know, Jay's case fantasizing, and <laughs> um, you know, whatever it is, uh, I would say, you know, so again, I I like things to be resonant with history, but I don't try to recreate it either. So. When I was leaving Nepal, I had all this knowledge of Tantra and how magic works in Tantra, as well as how magic works in other systems. And Hecate was like, listen, you know, um, there's something that I think I can teach, that I can transmit through you, because you have this base knowledge but you're also not really locked in, right? Like, I had decided that I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life studying Tibetan language and becoming a llama and, and all that. I wanted to go back to the more open world of magic. Uh, so, so Hecate was like, yeah, I have something. Like, you have the right combination of openness and base knowledge for me to transmit something powerful. And so I did, and I worked for 15 years before I taught it, you know? Uh, 12 before I, before I, like, I, I shared little bits and pieces with people on the way, but I didn't attempt to, to teach it as a system until I taught one guy in the apprenticeship program, which then started to tighten it all up. Because sometimes our own practices can be loose, but when we teach it, we have to kind of, you know, it, it fills in a lot of gaps, like, because students will have questions that maybe you didn't even think of. And then you have to kind of go to the source and say, what about this? Um, and so it was a good 15 years of working this system of trial and error and, and, and uh, positive tests and negative tests and mistakes and and successes before uh, Hecate was like, okay, now go teach it. Um, And, you know, early on, I was like, let's make it a book. You know, oh, it's a grimoire. I can't wait. Everybody's doing these grimoires. Andrew Chumley's got all these fantastic grimoires, only 77 copies of the grimoire of the Golden Toad and... All these things, and they were so cool. And I, and is like, no, no books, no grimoire, not, not this isn't right for that. This isn't that shape. Uh, this needs to be taught with the back and forth. So that's kind of why there's there's a, a short lineage connection, and there's a an emphasis on regular practice uh, and commitment. And without either one of those, it doesn't quite hold up.
3: Yeah, for sure. I've noticed myself because, you know, life is life and there's times where I can, I can do the full thing, but there's also those times where I can just kind of sit down real quick and do the minimum. Definitely when I have the, you know, when, when life provides the time and I can every day do the full thing, you know, lighting all the candles, everything, you know, the, the, um, Incense, everything, um, I can go, you know, beyond just a hundred, you know, I, I try to minimally min- always do like 300 minimum, but even if you go beyond that, get into a thousand, 2000, 3000 rounds of the mantra and stuff like that, when I find that all the times when I've been able to, you know, have a good, you know, couple of months where I can do that daily uninterrupted where you know, every day is doing the full, the full ritual. Yeah. That's when it really like things do really get, get interesting. Like you're saying, the more that you're doing, doing it fully and not just the minimum, things really yeah. start coming through.
2: Builds momentum. Builds momentum. It's a training. It's a training like martial arts, you know. Um, and that's really a different lens than I think a lot of people take towards magic. They They kind of, they don't look at it that way. So yeah. And for those that don't know, he's referring to a recitation of a of a chant, of a mantra. Uh yes. so the one hundred versus three hundred and, and, and so on.
3: Yeah. We actually had somebody in the chat room asking when are you starting the next cycle of the, the SOH? For anybody who wants uh, to
2: know. starting towards the end of June, beginning of July, um I'm I should have it announced by the end of the week. The new cycle of Black School of St. Cyprian starts next Tuesday. So, I, but I should have the dates all set. The problem is, uh, it's a very busy summer for me as far as like family goes. We're, we're, we're taking advantage of uh, the, the wind down of the pandemic. We're going a couple places and doing a few things. So, I want to. Make sure that I don't give anyone, like, I don't want to have people start a course and then be like, okay, well, you started, but now I'm on vacation, so talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm there for everybody and that I have it all mapped out. So uh, it's just it's just a lot of juggling, really. So I'll figure it out. But soon, very soon.
3: Awesome, awesome awesome. You have any more, Mike?
0: No, I think that's it. I think I got closer I got some closer questions. What do you, what are three books you recommend that a beginner should read? Three books and I
2: I'm just gonna take myself out of the running because obviously I I think my you know like I write most of my books because no one else has written them. so um, I'll, I'll take that out. but it really it really all depends on what they want to do. Like the three books for a root worker are gonna be different than the three books for a ceremonial magician and they're gonna be different than three books for a witch. Uh, you know, I, I love Mastering Witchcraft by Paul Hewson. Um Some find it shockingly outdated, um, but I just love it. And it bridges that gap between... It's not even a gap. It just blows apart that false dichotomy of, of folk magic and ceremonial magic. Just tears it out of the water and wipes it. You know, Paul wipes his ass with it, uh, which is great because that's how that's how it should be. This this fake division doesn't really exist. Um, after that, you know, uh, I would just take a look at, you know, maybe Sarah Mastros's new "The Big Book of Magical Incense." Um, that has a lot to teach people. When it comes down to herbs and what they do, and and uh, incense is a fairly universal tool. So I would say that uh, as as a new book, and but after that, you know, uh, what's your angle? You know, Uh, are you are you looking for? well, you know, I'd say protection and reversal magic. You should have something in there to 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 deal with difficulty and danger. Uh, there's no such thing as completely safe. Um. So, nor is nor is the world just rife with danger. So, people just you know have this again, this weird extreme attitude. Like, you've got people out there like, well, magic is safe and the spirits are safe and they love you and everything is good and magical attacks don't really happen because anybody able to do them is enlightened enough to not want to do it. And that's fantasy. But on the other hand, you've got people that are like, well, if I missed one day of the Hecate mantra, then she's cursing me and I'm obviously the target of the God's Wrath. And that's also fantasy. And, uh, you know, the reality is, it's like driving, you know? Uh, Most of the time, it's perfectly fine, but there are some things that you do and you don't do to stay safe. And if you want to drive really, really fast, or you want to drive in some kind of particularly dangerous way... Then you gotta up your protection. The seat belt becomes a five point harness, uh, and you and you wear a helmet and a roll cage. Mm. Um,
3: That's the so perfect you, way to explain it.
2: Yeah. yeah, as a magician, you should you should know how to work without constant protection everywhere at all times always. Uh, that's like the Excalibur problem I talk about. Like, you're, you know, are you gonna walk around in full plate mail armor all the time? Inner sex, everything else? No, of course not. It's, it's, it's hindering your dexterity stats. <laughs> um, so, you want to, uh, you know, you wanna, you wanna just hold a certain amount of protection, and then have more protection available, and also, just allow yourself to deal with danger occasionally. There you go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's, that's
0: great. a great trifecta of, of books and ways to think about the whole situation at hand. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, James, you
1: have any more questions? I mean, I can sit here all night. I mean, it's a ton of stuff to pick his brain for sure. <laughs> um What'd be the last thing here? A last question. I mean What what do we have to look next to, Jason? What's next? I mean you just dropped this book, but what's what's the future of Jason Miller?
2: Uh well, you know, I'm gonna keep teaching. Um, I've got a bunch of courses that I teach, so you know, I I now have a a, a full work week. You know, like um, People are like, oh, you know, you're you're lucky to be able to do this as your career, as your job and, and make, you know, a good living at it. Not just a living, but like a better living than I ever thought I would make. But it it's it's, you know, that comes with it being a job, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. with, with it. You know, you, you've you sat through the five hour Q&A. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like... Yes. <laughs> um, but they're know, great, though. They're great. Are. Part four of the sixth Q&A, and, you know, as we go into our, my voice is all short, and yes. I'm, like, snapping at people. <laughs> like, Stop asking like, this question. same question. Yeah, the I same question. <laughs> uh, yeah like, you've asked this a hundred times. I've answered this already. Come on, Can, can, can you elaborate uh, for the
1: fans? Um, as a... A person taking your course. Um, I want to kind of share this with with the fans that are listening right now to kind of get to know you a little bit better because you're a pretty funny guy. kind of laid back, you know, I mean, you're teaching heavy hitting subjects, but you're pretty laid back when you're delivering this. Um, Can you let the fans know um, if I were to try to get your attention uh, by email and ask you questions and it never got answered? What am I supposed to put in the headlines?
2: (laughs) You know, I mean, the reality is if you're in a course of mine, put the course in the headline. Like, all caps Strategic Sorcery Student, or Sorcery of Hecate Student, yeah. or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I will try to answer by Friday.
3: Right? right? Mm-hmm. Like, I
2: will try to, to... If I don't get you that night or the next night, I'll try to answer by Friday. But if I don't see that in the headline or if you're just kind of writing me out of the blue, I might not be able to answer. Right. Um, so I, I actually have out there, I, I started using an autoresponder again to just let people know, like, you know, I thank you so much for writing me. And you know, if you're, if you've got like a pithy question that I can answer, then in, in in a sentence or two, there's a really good chance I'm going to get back to you, whether you're in a course or not. But if you've just kind of written me and it's like, you don't know me, but I've just been contacted by Odin oh, to ask wow. you about protection <laughs> from,
3: right. you
2: know, from my neighbor who practices, you know, Uh, You know Naga magic or whatever, and you know why do you think that I keep seeing pie everywhere? And I I'm just gonna like,
1: yeah, cut it away. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: my last one. You know I used to I I, and some you know so and some people are like, well, you know you should have an assistant. And I'm like, you want me to hire people to answer shit like? That I don't want to... Like, no, right. I'm not doing it. I mean, I can hire somebody if I if I needed to hire somebody, but, like... Not for that. Not for that, right? <laughs> like, like so, yeah. I mean, if people... Like, write me at strategic sorcery at gmail.com. Tell me what course you're in. Or if you're interested in a course. And, again, if it's something I can answer. There's some, like... Something that people ask me is like, is this, I'm interested in this course, but is it right for me? Will I be good? Like, I don't fucking know. I don't know anything about you. <laughs> like, Come on, I mean, man, they, give me a they, break. They want a psychic reading, basically. Or, or you know, I'm taking, you know, I mean, and sometimes these are not so wild. Like, hey, I'm in the Sorcery of Hecate course, but I'm also interested in evocation, so. Would it be too much for me to take the Black School of St. Cyprian at the same time? I don't know. Like, how much free time do you have? How much <laughs> bandwidth do you have? How much money do you have? Yeah. Um, all of these, like, I probably wouldn't have been able to do them both at the same time. But I'm a lazy schmuck. Um, so, <laughs> there's, you know, I mean, I seriously, I have students that are like, you know probably put more time into than I do on it, like day to day, week to week. You know, every, I was teaching a meditation course. The guy's like, you know, so I like meditate like three hours a day. And I'm like, God bless you, sir. <laughs> I, do <laughs> <not>. <laughs> I do not. I do not. Like, You know, I, you know, I, what, I hope I can answer your question and be helpful. But, um, you know, y- if, if it's, like, if you're like, what do I do with that third hour? I'm like, I got nothing for you because, you know, unless I'm on retreat, I, I mean, I'm not meditating three hours a day regularly. Yeah. But that's what that – per, you know, like, they love it. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, do – could they? Yes, people – and people have. People have been like, oh, my God, it was so cool taking them both at once because they're different and I could see how they interplay and you mm-hmm. think in both of them. And then I've got other people that are like, yeah, that was a lot. So I'm just going to put it aside and retake it that one next cycle and and focus in on this. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Right? All right. Here's a doozy of a question. How many people? And this is kind of, I, I get you probably can just guess here. How many people are currently right now? following Jason Miller? And I don't mean like your Twitter or Facebook. How many practitioners are Students. out there? Students, student-wise.
2: Oh, goodness. Um, I You know, I don't know. There, there's, um, I mean, at any given time, there's a few hundred people actively enrolled in courses of mine. Right. At, at any given moment. But then there's alumni that, you know, have taken the courses and they still follow along. Uh, sometimes they're they're just listening to the new Q and A's because they've already mm. taken the course like three or four times, uh, or they just follow me and they they consider themselves my student in the way that I consider myself the student of my teachers, even though <clears throat> I'm not sitting with them and talking with them all the time. Mm. Um, but. Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, it depends on what context. Like, actively at any given moment, there are a few hundred people enrolled in things at any given time. But um, it, you know, beyond that, you know, the mailing list is a few thousand. Um, but and and it's a high engagement mailing list. Yes. But that doesn't mean that they're all. You know like my students and and the other thing too is i I'm not proprietary, right? like like there are people sometimes people, especially from like the Wiccan community, have written me about like something one of my students said or did or you know, and they're like, you've got to get your student in line. And I'm like <laughs> it's
1: just,
2: like it's they're not in my coven or something like that. like I don't run their life. They took a course with me. Right? Yeah. Like you're
3: yeah. they're a free they're, human. They
2: took the <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking responsibility for everything they say, do or think in every avenue of life. Um but there are some systems where it's like that. Like right, like I will only initiate you if you if I am your superior forever and that's not how I think of things.
0: Where can people find you?
2: Um, people can find me at strategicsorcery.net um, I really should just get the .com uh, I'm just too lazy <laughs> but, you know like I'm I am the worst like I guess I'm good at marketing because it's successful but as far as like doing all the things like the marketing people say to do I, like I don't pay attention to any of it like you know, keyword stuff and, and, you know, getting the right URL and search engine optimization. I, I just don't do any of that. So, I mean, maybe I should, maybe I should take it like a, a summer and figure out all that stuff and build an even bigger audience, but I'm, I'm good for now. Um, That's cool. So, yeah, strategic sorcery.net. You'll find the blog, you'll find me on the different socials, and
0: uh, that's it, yeah. Is there any shout-outs you want to give to anybody right now, before we leave?
2: Oh, goodness, uh, you know, I, I at, just before we came on, uh, Lonnie Scott interviewed Jack Grail on his show, so... Uh, I I'll sh- give a shout out to Lonnie Scott and Jack Grail, both friends of mine, and uh, you know, so maybe they're they they I, I I heard they probably mentioned me on that show, so I'll mention them on this show, and it will all be a weird circle.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like that Matthew McConaughey show. It's like a flat circle of you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah. All right. But, well you know, shout out to everybody trying to trying to be sane and make magic and do stuff earnestly and not get bogged down in the poppycock.
1: Yeah. Agreed the rap You got anybody? As usual. Hello to everybody out there. I uh, just want to give my normal shout-outs to all the uh, local metaphysical stores, witch stores, whatever you want to call them. Go there. Try them out locally. See what's around you guys. Like Jason Miller said, go out. Find out what's around you. I have done enough of that for you guys. I want you guys to hit me up and let me know what's going on out there. Um, just say everybody who's out there, like he said, practicing, seeking something that you, you want more out of life. Um,
3: go for it. Ryan, uh, first of all, to Jason, thank you again for for doing this. Um, and it was a big deal, I know, for myself and James in particular, yes. being students of yours. It was really really awesome to have you have you uh, do this with us tonight. Um, to all the brothers out there, whithersoever dispersed, and my usual shout out to the fans. Thank you for listening. You're um, the reason why we do this, for supporting us, and we just try to bring these different topics. You know, to you guys to educate you on different things that are out there in the world that you probably didn't have thrown in your face, you know, from family members and things like that. It's okay to look into other stuff. It's fine. And then, uh, normal, uh, my n- normal shout out to each and every person out there trying to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were today. Keep it up. You're doing awesome, Mike.
0: Thank you, Jason. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and making making our, our show um, fun. Uh, but most of all, uh, my team, thank you guys. Um, everybody, thanks for tuning in. However, you're watching this comment below and let us know what your favorite part of the show was for questions regarding the show, content ideas, booking inquiries, or just simply to say hello, visit the contact page at keepers of the That's it for this episode over and out.